This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 603, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now and enter code iFanboy at checkout. You get a trial shave set for free. That's harrys.com code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 603. I'm Ron Richards, alongside my co-host, Josh Flanagan. I am here. <laughs> I wrote your name twice. I, I, I was, I was, I was going to let it slide. Uh, it's okay. You can write my name twice because I sound oh so sick. Uh, unfortunately, Lewis. <laughs> unfortunately, our other co-host, Connor Kilpatrick, he, he ain't going to come around here no more. Nah. So, no. Nope. He's gone. Uh, we are from the website iFanboy, and every week we read our stack of comics, whether we feel like death or not. And one of us picks our books, <laughs> picks our favorite book of that week, and we call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, some other books, uh, your pick from the patrons pick. And uh, if we have some time, we're going to read some of your email and answer those questions. No matter what, it'll be fun. Uh, quick warning, uh, this is a review show, so we're going to spoil what happens in the comics most likely. So if you haven't read your comics yet, you might want to pause and come back. Just exercise some caution, no matter what. Uh, thankfully, this week, Josh had the pick, so I can stop talking. Thankfully for you. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the pick this week is uh, Invincible Iron Man number 11, and you might be saying to yourself... Number 11? Well, yeah, it's 11. I don't know why I wrote 13, but I'm looking at the book. It's 11. Okay, number um, 11. <laughs> from, from Brian Bendis, um, and I saw a trio of artists, and I thought, oh, that's not good. Right. Um, but there was a reason for it. Stefano Caselli, Kate uh, Nimchik, I believe, maybe, uh, Takisoma, and Kichi Mizushima, which is really fun to say. Um... And the reason that this is the pick of the week is not because of the issue solely on its own. Um, did you, you read this? Of course I did. Yep. Okay. Did you read the um, afterward? Uh, no, I did not, actually. Okay. So you read this story, and basically, uh, if you don't know, Tony Stark has been in a coma for some time. And he has uh, Friday, who is his uh, AI, um, sort of uh, artificial pepper pots, which is a problem. Uh, running the company, uh, he has Mary Jane Watson as his, I guess, sort of personal assistant, um, also Pepper Potts. Uh, a lot of people have to fill in for her. And then his mother, his birth mother, who he found recently, is also sort of there. And they also, are also also, pe- also Pepper Potts. Yeah, exactly. That's Well, there you go. They really <laughs> covered a lot of ground with her. Who created Pepper Potts? <laughs> um, and they're sort of telling stories about the history of Tony Stark. And Mary Jane tells a story about when she had actually met him, but he'd forgotten about it. Um, so she says, I'm, I'm assuming that's a reveal they're going to put someday. Um, and he came and talked to her in a bar and they had like a, an interesting conversation. It was a really sort of nice bit of character work on Tony Stark. Uh, then there was another story about how Riri Williams had actually had an experience with him during the Skrull invasion, which is kind of cool. If you think about it in terms of how old she is and how she was a little kid then, and that feels like it wasn't that long ago for us, but if you're a little kid, it's between 10 and 15, then that makes sense. It's kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, finally, uh, Friday gives us access to all of Tony's like hidden memories and things he doesn't want people to know. We learn a lot about his his philanthropy and that uh, you know he's doing all these wonderful things for people that he does not um, uh, he he doesn't tell anybody about. Sort of like George Michael, <laughs> um, or Prince. I think yeah. those are the two that after they died, you know, we found out they were doing all this stuff that that they didn't publicize. That was really good. Um, there's this moment where he goes to orphanages because he was an orphan. Um, and, and he hugs babies and he holds babies and they're all happy. And it's totally like a maudlin, not maudlin. That's not the right word. It's like a schmaltzy, happy, feel good kind of moment thing. And I, and I, I thought a little bit like, Oh, that's really sweet. Um, and then, uh, as you get to the end, I saw one big block of text instead of the normal letter column. And it was Bendis and he was writing about it and he was talking about his neighbor. Uh, that he'd met when he moved to Portland, this guy named Dick Cheeks. 
and uh, and how his experience with him and his wife, who were really like really wonderful people, and they'd invite him over to their dinners where the comic people would come over, and so a lot of the comic community in Portland got to know him, and uh, he got sick, and it was it was sort of touching, and and basically he came over and told him one day he's like. I'm uh I'm sick, but I'm fine. I've lived this great life or whatever. And then they found out later that he used to go to uh, orphanages or, or wherever it was. They would volunteer and he would hold the babies because the babies need to be held and they wanted the help and that he would do that as a thing. Oh. And so as sort of a tribute to this guy, Bendis uh, put that into the story um, to sort of rework where we were with Tony Stark. Um, and what I find my my point here is that what I find um, is that when you give for me, you give media some context. Now, this happens to me with music all the time. When you sort of find out about the people making it or the situations and it gives the songs a little bit of context, it can make me appreciate it a lot more. And a lot of sometimes that's not good. Sometimes it's not good to explain what's happening or why or where something came from. But in this context, I thought it gave it a lot more heart um, and it gave it a lot more foundation that I like. I thought it was a really nice tribute. There's a story in there where after being around these comic book people for years, um, this is this is a pick of the week somewhat dependent on the essay at the end. I'm sorry. That's that's how we are. It's the one that made me feel something if you want to talk about it that way, which is which, the mandate. Which, behind which the honestly, paper. given how much of a cold shell you are to make you feel anything is amazing. Exactly. And, right. and he was like he literally said, you know, eh, the world's a shithole right now. And I'm sharing this story because it really helped us out. And we need to know about people like this. And I absolutely agree. Um, uh, oh, yeah. He said, uh, you know, I knew Walt Kelly. Um cartoonist of Pogo. Pogo. Yeah. Um, and he's like, what? And you like, he's known him and these comic book artists for years and years and years. And he tells him, you know, I knew Walt Kelly, I, like I'm friends with him. I have letters, you know, that went back and forth and I have some original art that he gave me. And like, he, he gifted that to Bendis and, uh, and Takisoma, um, who's a huge Walt Kelly fan. That's, uh, Mike Oming's wife, I think. Yeah. And she drew part of this issue, uh, as well. Um, and I gotta say, like it, it got to me. Like I, I'm not saying I was, I was sitting there crying or anything, but like I thought, I was like that whole experience of reading that comic book and then the story behind it, I thought was really sweet uh, and really interesting. Furthered by the point that since 2008, when Marvel uh, basically made Robert Downey Jr. into Iron, Jr. into Iron Man, um, we've had a lot of Iron Man since then um, of a certain flavor. Right. And as as we saw through Civil War and some of the other stuff he's gotten a little bit away from the idea of being a hero and, and it's, and I liked that this made him human in part of the, the first story the the story with Mary Jane was really interesting. The way that it was framed, he, he was coming on to her kind of like scumbag, but, but then he kind of dropped it and became really honest and we, we got to see into it. There's a couple of things she said about him that were not, not nice. And he just kind of accepted them. He's like, yeah. And it was really sort of, um, self-examining that I thought was really interesting. And then you see the bits at the end of all the good that he's doing with his money instead of just making up a suit for him to fly around and buying fancy cars. And at first you think, oh, that's kind of corny. But then you think he's a superhero. He's a superhero. Like he's supposed to do those things. Superman's supposed to do these things. He's supposed to be sort of an icon of caring and compassion and and doing those things. And I, I liked it. I, I will allow some of that schmaltiness uh, because it's a superhero and he's supposed to make you feel like that. He's supposed to be better than us, even if it's fictionally so. Um, and I think that I've been noticing a lot that because Tony Stark is not present uh, in the books in his actual self, he's an AI and everything that he shows up, we feel like we're getting him, but we're not. And and you get that feeling of him being replaced by these new characters. Um, and I, I, I miss Tony Stark. I think he works as a really good foil to Captain America um, or teammate partner, you know, whichever way you want to do it. Um, and there's been times where they can't figure out what he is because they're so intent on writing him to sound like Robert Downey Jr., which is not the same thing as a characterization. Right. Um, and and then further, we've talked about this a lot over the last year, but really Brian Michael Bendis uh, in these two Iron Man books has been reminding me what it was I liked so much about him for a while because I honestly forgot. Right. Um, I did. There was a point where Bendis, whenever Bendis came out with a book, I'd be like, oh, that's that's the best thing. I can't wait for it. And then for a while, I didn't feel that way. I still read a few of them, and like he's got the talent and everything, but I just feel like he's he's struck into something here that's making us uh, uh, has a little more compassion in it than than a lot of the Avengers stuff that he did for a long time, and a lot more of the of the heart that that we we knew so well. And Bendis has changed a lot. Like he's got like a hundred adopted children right. now, <laughs> and you know, like he's a different person than he was. And we've seen this. I don't, and I don't think a lot of that came through in his writing for right. a while. 
Um, and and I just I like the connection between the personal and the and the the superhero story um, a lot. Well, and that is why this pick of the week. And and I'll, I don't want to I I, I uh, glossed over the fact that there were a bunch of artists. Um, and at first I went Ugh, I don't want this because I'd been really just enjoying what the book was before. But it worked out really well for me. Uh, Kate uh, Nimchik was on uh, uh, Mockingbird, uh, that short-lived series uh, that was attacked by right-wing trolls constantly. Um, and it was a really – the art was great on that book. It was, a, it was an interesting – that last issue of that series was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, what's interesting about this – I mean, this book, uh, similar to Avengers as well this, this week as well, we're in that no man's land between – Secret yep. Empire and Legacy, right? So that gives we're getting stories that kind of breathe, right? And this, yeah. this you know, and this doesn't really give us anything to move Riri's story forward at all. It was a nice little moment of, and maybe this is laying the groundwork for future stuff with Tony, and you know, I imagine his eventual return and all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, it definitely was, you know, it, it, it was a a nice in between story that, like you said, gets to tell that story, which is uh, which is which is great, you know. And, and I think that those are the kind of things that we need to be reminded of that comics can portray compassion much more than many other mediums. So yeah, and you get leeway that you don't get that sort of uh, postmodern eye rolling that you'd get if you saw it in like a TV show or something like that. Because all of a sudden you go, "All oh, right, these are primary color superheroes. If there's anywhere to be melodramatic about this kind of thing, you can do it here." And the fact that he backed it up with a reality in the story, you know, that, that, that made a difference for me. And, and like I said, it's not always the answer, but in this case it worked. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, well, good job. Yeah. I've been loving invincible Iron Man and, and as well as the, uh, the infamous Iron Man, the other, uh, the, the doom book as well too. I think Bendis yeah. is really tapping into something really well here. So, um, yeah. And I enjoyed this one as well. I don't know if it was my pick of the week, but this week, I don't know if I had a pick of the week. Well, that was the thing. Like I, yeah. I finished it and I thought oh, that could be a pick of the week, but that's like a weird review to give. Yeah. And then I finished everything else. I had nothing. Yeah. It was it was a weird week. It was a definitely a weird week. There was some big books and big moments, but yep. I, I I was kind of myself struggling on. Oh man, if I had to pick, I don't know what I'd go with. Um, I don't know that I would have gone with Generations Ms. Marvel and Ms. Marvel number one. Um, but continuing the train wreck that is Generations, um, the uh, you love it. I do love you it. Love I, it. There's a moment. There's a page in the book where young Miss Marvel Kamala Khan is trying to figure out what happened, why she ended up in the past. And it was just like, I don't know what happened, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> like literally so much meta commentary about this dumb event. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that said, Ms. Marvel and Ms. Marvel wasn't as bad as Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel last week or Captain Marvel. Um, this had Kamala Khan going back to, you know, the seventies, eighties kind of version of Carol Danvers in when she was uh, working as a publisher of a women's magazine that was owned by J. Jonah Jameson. And, uh, and the magazine's not doing very well because they're not sure if people want to read about women's lib in magazines. And, uh, and so then, <laughs> so then a, I can't even do it. A renegade Shi'ar villain, uh, approaches Jay Jonah about buying the magazine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Ms. Marvel and Ms. Marvel then fight her uh, to stop her from buying the magazine. What I like is it's not even like, it's not even like this rogue Shi'ar is here to like take over New York. Or to, it's like, no, she wants to buy the magazine so she can control the messages going out to the people of Earth in advance of the invasion. Hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of clever. Well, it's, it's it's pretty low bandwidth on the like reaching yeah. the most amount of people. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too is that so part of it also is that like while they're fighting the Shi'ar villain, um, Kamala gets mistaken for a intern at this magazine, and she gets assigned to go find a good story, and she ends up writing a story and gives it to Carol, and it's about how you know in this time of, of resistance and 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 stress, very you know like typical you know like of the times now, but like women can you know they can they can talk about political stuff and also want to know about, you know, cucumber eye masks and, you know, and, and beauty and things like that and balancing the two, right? Which is a fine message, which is I, I totally support. And Carol Danvers is like, oh, this is great. We'll fold this into the next issue, you know, because no one's reading anyway, so who cares? And then, then it's like the next day and it's the newsstand and people are reading this article. And listen, I worked in publishing. I know that magazines can get printed very quickly. You don't turn in a story at the end of the day and the magazine's on the stands the next day, even in that's, the 70s. That's a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So, uh, but either way, it was amusing, and I also liked how the art style kind of reflected the the retro kind of look of it. You know, like going back in time. We got some great, you know, yelling J. Jonah Jameson, which is always fun. Um, so this wasn't a total train wreck, but it's mm-hmm. still just clunky as hell. So. But in a fun way. Sure, I'm I'm finding the fun in it. That that's okay. my goal with this stuff. So. Fair enough. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, a, a, another issue that I sort of unexpectedly enjoyed a lot was Doctor Strange number 25. I, I don't. This is the longest I've ever read a Doctor Strange book. Fascinating. I, are you still reading it? No, I dropped after Jason Aaron left. Yeah. Well, we had um, we have Dennis Hopeless on it after that. And then this one is uh, presumably a fill-in one-shot written by John Barber, who I believe is an editor or formerly an editor. Uh, that, na- that name is familiar. You might be right. And so, and so my initial reaction – much to the chagrin of any editor who actually really wanted to be a writer, including a lot of the ones that have made history, by the way, right. is ugh. which is really like interesting to me because that's so unfair to them. Right. You know, like uh, my, my Aubrey Citizen, my uh, he, you know, he was an editor and he became an editor of Marvel because he thought it would be a good way to become a comic book writer. Right. And it turns well, out that that makes it worse. Yeah. In a little bit. Well, yeah. Well, we also had the, this week there was uh, Gasolina number one from Image, which is written by Sean Makowitz, who is the editor of Skybound. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So that's not, you know, it's not but, unheard of. I mean, but you also have these guys, these sandbaggers like Mark Wade and Roy Thomas. Kurt, Kurt who, Busiek. You know, Kurt Busiek. Oh, these guys, you know, they're just editors and they don't. Oh, wait. Yeah. They're very good writers. Anyway, right. uh, this was a really good one shot. Um, and the thing I liked about it was twofold. Um, they had flashback sequences that were drawn by um, Kevin Nolan. Nice. Sort inked by several people, which was a little inconsistent, but also kind of interesting, if I'm going to be honest. And if there's ever a book where you can kind of have it make sense that the that the art style changes throughout it, you can kind of get get by with Doctor Strange, right? If that makes any sense. Uh, that's how I just justified it to myself. Um, but it's just like it was a one shot story about he again. It's like he. He had helped. He found this little girl who had this magic in her, and she he removed the magic because it was too powerful and too dangerous. And then this is the story of her coming back, you know, when she's an adult, being like, "You took all that power away from me." Uh, and he basically says, "You're right. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't think about you again." Right. Um, it was a nice twist, and also just like it was a cool magic story. After the end of the last issue, which was a big, lots of it was like Doctor Strange and the Defenders all fight Baron Mordo, and it was fine. Um, I felt like this was even though possibly because he was in the old outfit really, but it felt like just more of like, Oh, this is what Dr. Strange is supposed to be. Right. Um, and, and I liked it. It had that mystical sort of seventies quality that I thought was, was really interesting. Um, and again, like I was like, man, that old costume was so good that everything looks stupid now. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think this might've been the, the Dr. Strange issue I've enjoyed the most for, for a while. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. I didn't read this, but uh, maybe I'll go back and check it out. Yeah, it's just a one shot, so you can totally do that um, with un, you know, it doesn't matter. All right, cool. So I'm very curious to hear what you thought of Batman: The Red Death number one. This is so this is the first one shot from the metal, uh, the big metal event that Scott Snyder is leading at uh, at DC. Uh, we had a couple of tie-in, or we had another tie-in issue with Nightwing, which we're not mentioning on the show, but I had no idea what was going on in that. Um, but as far as I can tell, this metal thing is going to be taking over DC until next year, right? So strap yourselves in, get ready. I'm wondering if it's only going to be in these like mini series, though. Well, no, but the, the regular issue of Nightwing was the metal tie-in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So that said, uh, Josh, what did you think of Batman: The Red Death? Fuck this lettering. <laughs> That's what I thought. Like the the red letters in weird font on the black background. That is not good. Yeah. It's hard to read. Then there's another character with similar weird lettering. Sorry. That was the first thing I thought. I got to the first page. And, oh, I don't want They got a little a little too stylized. I get what they're doing, like and I like it. You know, I like I, the idea of, of giving us a you know narration from different characters and, and physically changing it, but you're right, it was it was it got hard to read. Yeah. The first one was the first on the first page is, is bad. And then later when you get to when Batman is the red death, um right. there's there's uh red balloons and then black text and then a white stroke that's pulled over underneath it or like a drop shadow. Yeah. Awful. I couldn't read it. And I'm like, you know, that, that really annoyed me because to me, like lettering's just supposed to work. You're not supposed to notice. I hate colored lettering. It's like a pet pet peeve of mine. Um, so remember they used to do that in the JLA books. Yes. 
where like every character had its own stylized yep. balloon. Yep. Uh, jerk off motion. Um, besides that, I like uh, I like Josh Williamson. I like Carmine Gimenico. Yep. You should be doing all Flash issues and not this. I, I don't know what this was was supposed to be. Or... Here's okay. So as I was reading this, there's been something nagging at me about this whole metal thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And and aside from just the, the ridiculousness of it, and we've talked about that, how, you know, embrace yes. the embrace the ridiculousness. That's fine. It's not the end of the world. Um, but visually and thematically, there's been something nagging at me. And this uh, Batman, the Red Death really put me over the top and figuring out what it is. Please. Um, uh, this is the Dark Judges from Judge Dredd. OK, that sounds familiar to me. So the, the Dark Judges are were basically a parallel dimension of another planet from Dark World that uh, and they were like Judge Dredd and his and the other judges. But instead uh, of like being law abiding and justice and all stuff like that, they you know, they said that any all crime was committed by people who are living. So therefore, all life is crime. And so mm-hmm. they were just on a, in a mission to kill everybody. Right. And the look of the dark judges, like if you Google can, dark I can, judges, I've, I've seen that somewhere. I right? don't remember what it was. We read that cartoony one. The 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 yes, yeah, yeah. In the in they the were judges. in that. Yeah, yeah, they were in that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you Google right now, if you Google dark judges, Judge Red, you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. There was Judge Death, Judge Fire, Judge Mortis. You know, like Judge Cra- Judge Kraken. Um, and I don't know if the story, you know, like, I don't think the story is a complete ripoff of this or, you know, like, I don't, I actually, I, I know for a fact it's not because the metal stuff and all that sort of stuff, but visually and just thematically in the darkness of it, it just, it it just has, it's giving me a lot of echoes of the, the, the dark judges of Judge Dredd, which I find very kind of fascinating. So, Um, well, like the darkness is the the point, like the whole time that I read this and all the other ones. I really am not enjoying the Batman. Yes. Like, who is driven by? I, I know that Batman's supposed to be driven, but he always has limits, and this doesn't feel like Batman. It's it's not. It's very similar to how Hydra Cap was. We're yeah. just like, stop telling me that it's Cap when it's not. And the, like, I feel like that about Batman. Now, clearly, I just spent. 15 minutes talking about superheroes being compassionate and wonderful. And that has a great deal to do with my personal outlook on what I want to read about right now. Right. So this being the other side of that, I'm having a hard time connecting with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with it. I'm sticking with it. I mean, cause I like the character designs. I, I thought, I thought Josh Williamson and, and Carmine DiGiomenico did a great job on this. I get what's going on. Um, loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm holding on to the thread of it as best I can. But um, but yeah, but it's just something was sticking in the back of my craw, and I was like, ah, Dark Judges, Judge Dread, this is it. Yeah. So, uh, and and it could be one of the things where may, I doubt that they're even aware of that. You know what I mean? Like sure. It's, it's it's one of those things that are just in the ether. You know, and if you if you go and Google Dark Judges, you'll see what I'm talking about. You see, they're like they're reminiscent of Judge Dread, but they look dark. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah. I guess I like the. There's a cover. I don't know if it's the main cover. I guess yeah, like the suit on the cover is much more subtle than the one yeah. inside. Like yeah. the arm flaps are all over the place. Arm flaps. Looks, whatever, like the little yeah. pointy, pointy bits. Pointy bits. Um, so there's that. Okay. Did you happen to read Wonder Woman Conan number one? I didn't, and I got to admit, I'm surprised to see it on here. I just, well, I, you know what? There weren't actually a lot of books this week, and I had the pick, so I was like, I'm going to try to cover my bases and go wide. Uh, this was written by Gail Simone which was, uh, I got a little bit of surprise, uh, and, and drawn by Aaron Lepresti. Uh, and, and so what was great about it, as soon as I started was, I was like, oh, this isn't a Wonder Woman story. This is a Conan story. Nice. Like, so the whole thing is written from Conan's point of view, and it's, it's, it's like a classic Conan comic book. And, and uh, he finds the fighting pits uh, in this city, and for some reason they have Wonder Woman trapped in there. And so this guy who owes Conan money is like, I know I promised you the money, but I don't have it. But I made a bet that I can't lose on this fighter. And he's like, well, how do you know she's, how do you know that fighter's going to lose? And he's like, it's a woman. <laughs> and so they go there, and uh, it turns out that and she, she wins. Uh, and, it, and so he doesn't get his money. But it turns out that Conan had met this little girl uh, years ago, and she was kind to him or something like that. It, was, it doesn't matter because it's a ridiculous story. So you just go with it, and you don't worry about the things. But – it was it was a Gail Simone did a very passable Conan Robert E Howard uh, narration and dialogue 
uh, sort of bit to it. And it was, it was kind of fun. Like I was like, all right, I can actually, I wouldn't have thought of that crossover as a thing. Also, I don't know why it's happening. I, I don't believe that DC has a Conan license uh, in any way. Um, you know, Lepresti did good art for Conan. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a crossover with, with Dark Horse. There are Dark Horse logos on the cover. I mean, the, oh, DC, DC has been doing these crossovers with Dynamite oh, yeah. and IDW and, and Dark Horse yeah, all the time. So That's really interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, they're giving, the, they're, they're, they're giving the fans what they want. I mean, it is the, yeah. we, know, we know it's the ultimate fan service, right? So. It is, and it doesn't always work, and sometimes it's stupid, but I really I thought this was really well done, and it was kind of fun. And I'm like, I don't want to read Conan all the time. Right. But every once in a while, I can totally dig some Conan. Right. Like, I've tried to do it monthly, you know, where, where you know, in about three or four months, and I'm like, all right, I'll do it for a while. i got to take a break. But you dip into some Conan every once in a while. It does you good. I really like how they sort of, like, they're always sliding the scale on how barbaric versus how human Conan is. Right. And this one's a little more towards the... He's like Jonah Hex, but he's he's kind of smart. He's not, you know, he, he's 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 a, he's kind of a good guy in this, as opposed to just a raging marauder. Yeah. Um, it worked, and I, yeah, she she looks like he he did a really he did a really great Diana in this. She looks she looks wonderful. It's fun. Cool. Um, what was also fun was all new Guardians of the Galaxy number ten, which I got to admit I, I like. I feel like it's taken 10 issues. It's been going a little slower than I would like it, but I get the hint that Jerry Duggan is got something building that's going to be a ton of fun for us once it gets going. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's related to embracing everything that that I personally have fallen in love with the space Marvel Nova Corps get mentioned, you know, the you know, of course the Guardians, um they've got he he threw Darkhawks into the mix, um and now we've got Infinity Stones into the mix. Um, which we all know, you know, like that is the 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 football within Marvel, right? The, those Infinity Stones. But um, you know, some of the the greatest times in Marvel history have been when those are involved. You know, the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Watch, etc. Um, and so this kind of this story kind of kicks off um, the search for the stones uh, storyline, which is what we're going to be getting. And in a way that is, you know, basically the the Guardians were uh, hired to go capture to go bring this egg. Uh, to the the what's his name the um the collector or the grandmaster or one of those names right Jeff Goldblum yeah Jeff Goldblum and they find out that um that the egg is empty but turns out the egg isn't empty um yeah so yeah so the the grandmaster they're gonna sell to and the egg hatches and inside the egg happens to be his brother um uh who is uh, who is the uh the collector. And so then they all start fighting, and and we find out that there are other cosmic brothers of them: the the contemplator, the gardener. Right? <laughs> There's all these other you know other people that are in the <laughs> in their family, right? And the gardener is actually um, the one who was holding on to the the soul gem, and but he's lost it, and uh, he might be involved in Groot's kind of Groot's creation. And so, like, it tied it all into the crazy cosmic shit, but tied it in with the Guardians in a way that I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, and then we get a flashback to the Gardener hanging out with Loki, and Loki's looking for the soul gem, but he finds out that, that he doesn't have it. And so now it's like, and Gamora wants the soul gem. And, and so it, 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 it basically, it's just, it's moving the pieces on the board. And at the, it ends, which says the quest for the stones has begun, the adventure monthly in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like, sign me up. I'm all for it. So that's I got to say, because I read I have the first couple and uh, it wasn't bad. I just kept not continuing with it. Sure. Um, but you're 10 issues in and you're that's still the same storyline, basically. Well, but it hasn't even started yet. So that's that's what's kind of annoying. Right? Yeah, that's I mean, that's a that's a long run up. Yeah, not, yeah. Are they coming out every two weeks? No. Well, they said monthly now. So, OK. Yeah. But I know. No, but like the 10 now, has that been five months? It feels more um, like. I yeah probably it hasn't since the movie came out I think yeah right so, okay okay um, so maybe they're moving to monthly maybe hopefully Aaron Cooter stays on as the monthly penciler because he's great um, but either way like I, I've been having fun up to this point but I feel like it's just gonna get even more fun so awesome yeah well you know what's fun well it's not shaving but you know what makes it a little more fun uh, <laughs> is Harry's like I actually had this little moment where I'm like I have to shave and it and I don't not a big deal for me to do that, it doesn't, but I have to find time for it. Normally, doing a lot of parenting and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to, oh, I have to shave today. Was it going to be a thing? And then just for a moment, I go, well, I got my hairy stuff. That's cool. I get to use that. And it makes me happy for just a second there because I know that's going to go pretty well and smooth. And uh, 
and they're cheap. So when I run out, I don't worry about it because I used to use the other kind from before. And every time I run, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like 20 bucks just to get some. And I got to go to the case and the, and the whole thing. And I don't want that. Now I just click on the Harry's thing. It's back in a couple of days and, and it's a much uh, better price. So uh, Harry's is sponsoring iFanboy and uh, they're so confident that you're going to love their blades that they're going to give you a trial shave set for free. So what I just talked about, that can be all yours completely free if you sign up at harrys.com slash iFanboy and all you have to do is pay for the shipping, which ain't a lot. So why are we talking about Harry's? Why are they here? It's all about a great shave at a fair price for your face, which is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's for shaving their That's a lot of dudes who need to shave. Uh, it was started by Jeff and Andy, who are two, two regular Joes, two Jamokes, ordinary guys who are fed up with buying overpriced razors, which they started Harry's to fix. So they bought their own German factory. Ooh, Germans uh, are good at making razor blades, apparently. But they had over 100 years of blade-making experience, so they took over that place to produce for Harry's to guarantee the highest quality, and everything you buy from them has a 100% quality guarantee. So that means if you don't like it, you have your money back. Um, and that's always good. So if, 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 if you go there and you think this isn't, this isn't good, this isn't what I was, so I don't like this, you, you could go back to them. You're totally not going to do that though. So it's, it's not a thing you have to worry about. Uh, their blades are half the price of the leading five blade razor and selling directly to you over the internet makes that possible. So you can claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. It's a $13 value and it's free when you sign up. All you do is pay for the shipping. That includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle. I can vouch for that guy. A five precision engineered blades, which means there's one, two, three, four, five of them. Plus there's a little one on the back, the trimmer blade, uh, which Ron has said before he uses for his famous sideburns. And of course the lubricating strip, you'll get the rich lathering shave gel, which I actually really like a lot, uh, and a travel blade cover, which does not seem like a big thing, but it is a big thing. Uh, so <laughs> you, again, you go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now, uh, and that's harrys.com slash iFanboy. We thank them again for being a continuing sponsor of the show, and it's a product we really like, so that makes it pretty easy. And, and thanks to all of you out there who uh, let us know that you, you use that coupon. And let Harry's know, too. That's actually really important to us, too. So, Viva Harry's. Indeed. Uh, Invincible is winding down. Yeah. We are at issue 140, which is part eight of the final 12 uh, issues. This one was a standard Kirkman Otley issue, and it's basically what's funny is I do not know the name of the bad guy. 140 <laughs> issues, and he's been around forever. He's the guy with the short hair and the sort of Hitlery mustache, but it's a little more a cop mustache, I guess. Uh, and uh, him and this whole issue is him and Mark fighting in the sun <laughs> as it melts their hair, skin, and eventually start their bodies uh, start to get ripped away. And uh, robot shows up. Uh, to make a sacrifice to help uh, Mark so Mark can put the suit on before that suit melts away so he can try to beat the guy as they battle within a sun. I have never seen an issue that looked like this. And they yeah. stuck to it. The whole issue is this fight within the sun. Uh, they brought on Nathan Fairbairn to color it. And I don't know, if, I know he hasn't historically done this, um, but good choice uh, for this to bring in Nathan Fairbairn to cut to color. Cause he's a really good colorist and this needed somebody with just the right touch. Um, Nathan has this, like it's an old school sort of comic. It's not, it's not way outside of, uh, of how a lot of comic books are colored. It's just done really tastefully. I think, you know, it's like if you mix, um, that sort of bombastic color style of, uh, Laura, what's her name? Laura Martin, name? Laura Martin, but then sort of like then the other side of it uh, was like a Dave Stewart who is, you know, sort of much more subdued. Right. Um, put those together a little bit. And I think that's how you get a Nathan Fairbairn. Um, and that was honestly the coloring was the thing that I was most impressed with is in this one. Uh, Mark like, is and, and, and that's how you get a Nathan Fairbairn. Now, when a mama Nathan Fairbairn and yeah. a papa Nathan Fairbairn go have dinner with Laura Martin, that's how you get a Nathan Fairbairn. Yep. Well, it's, you know, it's important and these yeah. guys don't get enough enough credit and he's really one of the really good ones that I, I, I don't think his name gets mentioned quite as much. But when I see his name on a book, I know that's going to be really good. Um, and Ryan Otley does big fights really well. Lots of sinew and gross stuff. And, yep. you know, it's this thing. This this is wrapping up. I'm going to miss it, but I'm also ready for it to be over or at yeah. least the war part. I, I like the personal stuff. I don't like the war parts as much, but this has to happen. It's the thing that everybody's been waiting for. Um so we're almost done with what is, is honestly one of the greatest superhero stories of my lifetime. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, um, the Wildstorm number seven uh, had one of the best action sequences I've seen all week. That flipping panel thing. Yep. 
There, there was, Man. So there's a guy in a place and he gets found out and he's got to get out and his two guys in the hallway and he pulls his oh. gun on him and there's this great running down the hallway, get past two guys action sequence that was just amazing. So here's my question. Yep. I don't know what Warren Ellis scripts look like. Right. But it seems like no matter what artists he's working with, there is connective tissue with this, that kind of yep. imagery. Yep. And that is... That is not usually the case. First of all, he seems to be a guy who who is you know he really appreciates good art. He knows how to work with good artists. Uh, we had John Davis Hunt on this, which who's great for this. Right. I'm just gonna, like I know that like when we first reviewed this, Connor had reservations about it. Whatever, like he's perfect for this. I'm a hundred percent happy. I'm so glad it's not somebody trying to ape Jim Lee and go back to be like this was what Wildstorm was. But I want to know what Warren Ellis is doing with his scripts that sort of get that because there's been action sequences like this over in um, the book he's doing with Declan Shalvey. Yeah. Um, the name that ejection. I is ejection right you know and and I, I feel like he's not most artists don't want to be overscripted they don't want to be given a line reading per se right um but there's no, something I think, I, I think i think he's definitely i i i mean the way ellis gets this stuff out of the out of the writers i'm i gotta imagine he's giving i mean and most writers do will give panel direction you know like yeah you know and so it, it becomes this hybrid combination of what is in ellis's head what he's writing in the script and then what the artist can do with it you know so yeah. um it's definitely i mean that's comics right it's not you yep. know you know like i know some people are very you know mark miller will write a a, a single page with they fight and let the artist go to town right. while other people say they fight and this is what happens you know and so i i you know i think ellis what? is more on the side of saying what should happen so. Yeah, but I, I, I really had the idea that he was not a guy who was giving really precise instructions. But now I've seen this in enough yeah. of his stuff. And, and honestly, his work redefined what comic books look like. Yeah. The writer's work. And, yeah. I, and I know that he had artists working with him. He had uh, Brian Hitch and Frank Quietly. But it was all of them across the board. So you've got to give him credit for that to a yeah, certain totally, extent. Yeah, totally, totally. And he's still doing it. Anyway, I, I, this series is great. I get really – don't. it doesn't come out every four minutes – I think there's actually been a little bit of delay, and I get I get very excited that it's coming out, and and now they're starting to form the team. You're like, oh, I see where the wild. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it took seven issues to get to start, but that's you know it's, yeah. again decompressed comics that he did that. Yep, that's fine. So, um, meanwhile, over in X Men Gold number twelve, uh, X Men Gold continues to give give the fans what they want. And while one half of the issue or, or two-thirds of the issue was a bit of a slowdown, as we find out more about the, the big, nasty, green alien guy, we find out where he came from, who he is, what his, his role is. Uh, but it ends with Mojo uh, dealing with low ratings, calling for an epic crossover. Ratings. Set ratings. Uh, so <laughs> next issue is going to bring us an epic crossover, which is just right up the X-Men's alley. So Mark Guggenheim continues to give the fans what they want, and I still don't know if it's a good thing. So I was uh, I was driving in the car yep. yesterday, and they were talking about China's credit rating. Ratings. And as soon as they said uh, ratings yep. to NPR by myself, that was nice. a moment for everybody. Sorry, I couldn't Hold help on. it. Um, Star Wars corner. It's just you Quickly and me over the Star Wars corner. It's just you and me. It's, it's always just you and me. I know. I know. We can we can stretch out. We can make the star. We can make the Star Wars corner uh, wider this time. So. Again. Again. Did you, you read? Did you? Hey, me watch the corners. Did you watch the corners? Did you read Star Wars Annual Number Three? I did lead, read Star Wars Annual Number Three, okay. largely because of Michael Walsh on art. Well, yeah, and and Jason Latour writing is no, you know, like it, I think it, that's worth it. It isn't, too. and and yeah. I and you you come for the Walsh, you stay for the Latour. Right. Um, well, so what I what, what what as I read this, I was laughing because I was I'm kind of upset. I was upset that Connor's not on the show this week. Because I think last week when we were talking about the Captain Phasma book, and he was saying, and we were saying how I don't want to know, I don't want to know what happens in between things, and I believe he specifically said, I don't know, I want, I don't want to know what happened with the bounty hunters at Ord Mantell, <laughs> and this ish, this annual is a little adventure with Han and Leia, and admittedly I was reading it very quickly and I missed the location of the planet they were on, but when I got about three pages in and I saw bounty hunters targeting Han. I flipped back. I was like, no way. No way. Did, are they doing exactly what Connor said he didn't want to see? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but luckily enough, they weren't. This is a different adventure. Uh, they're on the planet Odana, and turns out there's a old smuggling uh, gig that Han screwed up, and the guy wants revenge. And it's kind of a you know the, the little story of Han and Leia trying to get out of this jam. I thought Latour got Han's voice down perfectly. I did too. I thought yeah. that was that was really well done. It just 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 as his partner Jason Aaron did. Yeah, uh, yeah. really. And 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 you know it 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 must be said, 
put a guy – I'm not saying put Michael Walsh on it. If you want to, awesome. Put an artist like this on the main Star Wars book, please. Yep. Just for me. I don't even know if it will sell better. But yeah. this is what I want to see. It looked great. His layout looks great. My, Michael Washington's just great. Period. Like I, I you know, absolutely. yeah, like he's fantastic. Um, and this really, really looked good. So. Yep. Yeah, uh, it was fun. Uh, finally, uh, I know you're not reading it, but Poe Dameron number nineteen. You you are still reading that? I was reading it for a while, and I yeah. kind of dropped off. But well, here's here's my thing. So, um, first off, how did this get to nineteen issues? He's a charming guy. I guess. Secondly, and I understand, you know, so Charles Soule is writing this, and and this is more of a a craft question I have for you, Josh. But mm-hmm. as I'm reading this, there's an overuse of names. Right? Uh, and what okay. I mean by what I mean by that is they end every not every time, but like I was comparing it to Star Wars Annual by Latour, and like. There's a, a I noticed this. There's an abundance of speech bubbles that are like, "How are we gonna get out of this, Poe? Hold on, snap! I'm figuring it out." You know, like oh, it, it, like uh, right. I would say that that's intentional. Okay. I mean, I know it's intentional because I mean, I've I've gotten that. I find that this depends on the era of the person, right? Who is 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 writing it or what they think should be happening? But over identification is a is a mainstay of comics, and if you think about who the intended audience for this is. Um, it's beneficial to everybody that they're identifying everybody, especially if, you know, Snap and Poe in a drawing might look pretty similar. No, they don't. Snap has a beard, looks like Greg Grunberg, and Poe Dameron looks like Oscar Isaac, who's just dreamy. Just a white dude with, with no, dark no, hair. No, no, they're, they're, they're enough. But to the point where, like, I'm reading this and I started not— Oscar Isaac's not just a white dude. Yeah, I, I, I found myself rereading this and not saying the names. Uh-huh. You know, like, so, like, he they, at the end of the book, they, you know, Poe gets out of his X-Wing, and one of the people in the squadron says, I thought we weren't supposed to see any real action on this mission, Poe. You weren't mm-hmm. supposed to, Jess. I'm glad you're all, you're all right. You know, like, and I just stopped reading the names, and it read much better. Yeah, I, but but I, I, I don't think it doesn't serve a purpose. Yeah. I, and I know yeah. that, like, you do, if you don't need it, somebody might, and with this kind of thing, they're over. But, I, but, I was, but he didn't, but Latour didn't do it in the Star Wars book. That's what, I mean, I was, I was comparing. Right, well, yeah, so. but that's what I was saying, though, is that, like, yeah. he's coming from a completely different place yeah. than Charles Soule is. Charles Soule is, is writing, you know, he's been mired in really mainstream comics for a while and doing those, and this is a licensed property of a really big, important thing, and they're trying to bring in people who aren't from comics, and you don't need it. You're an advanced user, but uh, I don't know if it's that. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I feel like it's not. I, I get that. Don't get me wrong. I get that. But the go back and read this issue, and and not, and no. you'll see what you won't. But if you go back and read this issue, you'll see what I'm talking about. And I think it's a I think it's a case of maybe overstep the line a little then a little bit, and maybe not trusting the artist as much. I don't know. It just it just or, it, you know it's something it's something I noticed as I was reading. I'm like, there's the names again and again you know what? and again. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a network note. Maybe who knows? Maybe it's coming from from Lucasfilm. I mean, it's yeah. very possible. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, that's gonna wrap up Star Wars Corner. Uh, every week, uh, our loyal, loyal iFanboy patrons who we love get to vote on a book that comes out this week that, and then make us read it and talk about it. Uh, this week, the patrons pick. The, listen, the voting was very, very close this week. Right? It was it was a, a tight race amongst several books, but the winner was Angelic Number One from Image Comics with story by Cy Spurrier, art by Casper Wingard, um, and uh, a lot of monkeys. Who I believe is now in charge of the Hellfire Club. <laughs> All right. So, Josh, what did you think of Angelic Number One? I think that Simon Spurrier uh, has created a very nice looking book with a good team on art. And letters, uh, it's really interesting and smart, and almost nothing he's written has ever resonated with me in any way. Um, and I, I hate to bring it down to that, but like as soon as I started reading, I said, oh, okay. So it's an alternate society where we have these sort of monkey creatures, and they have their own rules of their society, and it's good for some people and bad for others. Um, and they have their own language, uh, like, uh, like Frank Miller used in The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, that's I'm sure somebody did it before him, but that's what uh, the sure, first yeah. thing that I ever came upon in comic, and everything has its own little jargon and dialogue and way of speaking. Uh, and uh, I said immediately, "Oh, I know what this is." And uh, I read through the whole thing, and it was what I thought it was. And it's not. Uh, yeah. It's not. I, it's not for me. It, it's, it's so basically this is, for- this is this is a world that is, I imagine it takes place in the future. Humanity has abandoned the Earth after some large war that involved weaponizing animals. And we're left. With, we're we're focusing in on a a species of monkeys, uh, who also have wings, 
and they are fr- they are f- uh, afraid of being terrorized by the flying dolphins, and uh, they have all these uh, uh, religion and kind of faith based on the bits and pieces they're able to pick up from what humanity left behind them. And of course, there's a jaded monkey who's ready for the her next you know step in their you know kind of traditions, and she doesn't want to. It involves having her wings clipped and be, you know getting pregnant and you know continuing on. And uh, she, she meets a uh, what is the animal at the end of it in the pod? Is that a seal? Some, some cutesy animal. I, yeah. I, I suppose if I had like a more yeah like a seal walrus. Yeah, it looks like a seal. Thing. Yeah, kind of like yeah. It looks so, like Krang from the Ninja Turtles, but yeah. with a cute face. Yeah. Um. And and if you read the if you read size um uh essay in the back, this all stemmed from going to the zoo and noticing you know looking at the monkey pen and there was dark skinned monkeys and light skinned monkeys and they're all staying. Uh, amongst their own kind and I, and exploring the idea of of inherent racism within monk within animals or not in this case it's that's not they were trained that way because there were animals that were saved from a cosmetic testing facility and animals by nature aren't racist but when they're trained they learn from humans and oh, aren't humans so bad um I, I, my a genuine criticism of this is that i think it tried to do way too much yeah if you think about what you just said, I literally – I read that in the back because I was like maybe that will help me make sense of what this was. And I didn't even see that in the book. I saw them tackling what looked like some sort of classism and then some form of sexism and then – but then there's a lot of different animal like, – and they all have a language. It was too many things that by the end of that issue, I felt completely overwhelmed with like – it was a lot of effort to make the point that I don't think needed to be there. Right. If that if that makes sense, which means like it was thought out really well. He tried to build a, a world, you know, and some people are really going to gravitate to that. But it was it was a lot, a lot of stuff flying at you. And, you know, like it was the cutesy, like it's flying monkeys. So that's a that's a Wizard of Oz sort of reference. And then you had all these, you know, like when you point out like the flying dolphins and they come to do the thing and then there's a cat and the cats are mean. And it's just it was a lot of pop lot. culture hodgepodge yeah. stuff yeah. when they all have their own language and. I guess like, I just want to read a comic book, man. All right, um, so ratings, ratings. Ratings. Three and a half. Three and a half. I was going to – I will concur. I will give it three and a half as well. Yeah, it's like I, I have a feeling there are people out there who really like this, uh, but I'm not that reader. So it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't badly done at all. Co- cover was kind of boring. Yep. Not, not a great cover. All right, well, thank you, patrons, for voting on that. Uh, and you can sign up at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And any level that you sign up as a patron, you get uh, uh, instant access to be able to vote every week on the on the patron pick. So please do join. Um, and also, if you sign up at a certain level, I believe $5 or higher, you get bestowed a special a special superpower from us where we are giving the patrons, they're, they're making wishes come true. Wishes. Uh, wishes. And giving them interesting superpowers. <laughs> First up is Adam Ulrich. I want to thank Adam for supporting iFanboy as a patron. And Adam's power, uh, every night, you know how I like the one word power, right? Yeah, I do. Sauces. <laughs> Go on. Adam can make a gravy, a sauce. He gets it right every time. Oh, he doesn't break the break he, the butter. Yeah, it's not too it's not too watery, or it's not too thick, or like the balance of spices isn't right. And it doesn't matter what the sauce is. You could be you could be doing a bolognese. You could be doing a you could be doing a a, a turkey gravy. You could be doing a, you know a roux. Um, you know, does, any, it go, does it go so far as chili? Could he do that, or is that too much of a stew? Well, no, soup? Chewy's too, chili's too much of a stew. He he, okay. he he struggles just like the rest of us with the chili or any sort of thing like that. But we're talking, <laughs> you know, we're we're you know, there's just a litany. I mean, if you if you classic cooking, French cooking, and the like, um, you know, it's all based on the sauces, right? So um, mm-hmm. you know, like he's got it. He he his his first step in cooking class sauces. He's got it under control. So. Mm-hmm. So okay. There you go. Sauces. Uh, Shane Stornanti, which is, might be my favorite name right now. Shane Stornanti. Um, on his left hand, uh, each finger has a different kind of uh, uh, electronic port. Interesting. So the the thumb is a is a USB. There's a USB C. There's a mini USB. <laughs> there's a lightning plug. Uh, what happens then, uh, when new when new plugs get uh, uh, rolled uh, out? It's you think it's a problem for you. <laughs> for Shane, it's a problem, and of course, the uh, the pinky is uh, is a two point five millimeter mini stereo plug. <laughs> so, I don't I don't even know. I'm not sure that he's figured out how to use those interfaces, but he has them. 
Uh, maybe its dark purpose has yet to be foreseen. Does he have Does he have plugs that don't exist yet, or or do the plug like so? USB C is fairly new. Did one day he wake up and he had a USB C port? It's possible, or maybe he's had it all along. It's a miss. He showed up one day. Okay. He said, "Professor X or whoever, whoever the equivalent of that is, this is what is happening to me." Yep. Uh, and is, is, there's a lot of uh, discovery left to be done, but they're there. He was born with them, and nobody can believe that that happened without purpose. Wow. Yeah. All right. Sports. Uh, <laughs> Bjorn Bellenbaum. All right. Well, thank him for being a supporter of uh, patrons. Sometimes these uh, these powers aren't really uh, sexy or, uh-huh. or attractive, um, but Bjorn has several tens of tiny little hands around his feet. Okay. And he doesn't actually walk with his feet. He walks with these little fingers walking, the, moving the feet along. You know, before I got to the, the, the USB ports, yep. I had something similar to that. So oh, I'm okay. glad. Yep. Yeah. So That's there good. it is. So uh, he's got. That's creepy. He's, yeah, it's very creepy. It's gross to look at. But he is also, he can move in ways that none of us can comprehend. Uh-huh. He's very, like on the tennis court, it's amazing. Okay. So. <laughs> but the thing is, he's got to be barefoot all the time. So. Can he put shoes on, or are they too? Bulky? He can put shoes on; they'll fold up. But it is, but it, like, but it, like it, angels' it, wings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it, but it's 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 holding him back. Okay. Yeah. So Blake Button, um, you know how Spider-Man uh, occasionally has had organic web shooters. Sure. Blake can shoot organic zip ties. <laughs> <laughs> zip tie anything. <laughs> what what do organic zip, and tightens. What do organic zip ties look like? Regular zip ties? They just, just look like regular zip ties. Okay. But they're he, he, they're produced from within. He secretes zip ties. So weird. Yeah. All right then. But helpful. Yep. So. Yeah. There's this. I mean, the useful guy to have out there, uh, whether doing electronics or whatever. So when you need to tie something, he's your he's your man. Mm-hmm. So. So, uh, thank you to the patrons. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and you support the show at a level of $5 or, or higher, you will be on the list. Got a message, uh, a couple of messages from people asking, hey, when's my thing coming? I signed up a little while ago. It'd be a little while. We're, we're working through them. We're, we're only a few months behind now, I well, think. Well, so, yeah, so quick quick update on the patrons, by the way. So the, the, the patron powers are coming every week. Uh, patron rewards are, um, I, I've been working on them the past couple weeks. Uh, next batch of rewards um, should be applying the postage this weekend and mail them out on Monday. So if you've been waiting on your rewards, thank you for your patience. They'll be coming soon. Yeah, it's not the 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 name thing is we we can't do them all right. We, can, we don't want to sit here and do ten at a time, whatever. But we won't be a, able to think of any. Like the last four will be terrible. So yeah. guys, there's, there's a bunch of patrons who signed up who are waiting on their comics and their stickers and buttons. That is all coming. Uh, it is it is coming soon. So. So that's that's one thing you can do. You can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. We are around $400 away from our next goal, uh, which is a non-comics media podcast. And part of me wants to just lower that because I kind of want to do it. But no, you got to earn it. I'm a dad. That's how this works. You got to get there. And then we will work on our regular monthly non-comics media podcast, um, sort of a mini version of our all-media show that will be coming up at the end of the year. So that's the next goal. Uh, you can also go to ifanboy.com slash support. Um, you'll find an Amazon link there as we get closer to the holidays. Yes, I'm saying it. Um, if you can, we'd really appreciate it. If you made that your sort of uh, default Amazon link and, and place your orders through there. It doesn't affect you at all, but it uh, sends a little bit of that purchase our way um, and of course there's still direct uh, donation via PayPal and again I can't stress this enough tax time is coming up eccentric billionaires you're going to just sit on that you're going to pay that money to the government <laughs> Listen, and also we're not tax deductible but still but still, we're not a 501c3 3c whatever what, we're not that thing but I, you know what I bet your accountant can work it out it's a good thing you're making all that money yeah it's good <laughs> it's, a, it's a good problem to have that's what I'm saying. Um, finally, uh, the T-shirt store is up and running. It is going. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.threadless.com. Uh, we have uh, four designs currently. There's the two classic. There's the iFanboy shirt, just this plain old logo, uh, and the Herm shirt uh, inspired by a comic book series that has sold a lot of copies and has uh, some broken reconstruction characters in it that you may know. And one of them says Herm. Uh, and there's two new ones. There's the, there's the Pick of the Week podcast, um, the Ratings Ratings shirt, ratings, um, which is lovely ratings. shirt, and of course this is a electro shirt. If one is electro, which good luck explaining to anybody you work with. Yeah. Uh, but I have my electro shirt is on the way now. It took me a little while to get it. It should be here any any moment now. So I'm very excited about it. It's a great shirt. I gotta admit, whoever designed that shirt, A plus. Yeah, it was you, Ron. <laughs> whoever hired someone to design that shirt, A plus. 
Uh, <laughs> um, let, let's do one of these emails. No, we, we, let's do rapid fire. We can do – I think okay. we can get through All a right, bunch of them. Fire. All, All right. right, Mark Illinois says, I've been thinking about this question since 2015 when I started reading after a 20-year hiatus. That's awesome. Uh, is the Justice League logo the most uninspired logo in comics? It's their flagship book, and it looks like a lazy teenager designed it on a Commodore 64. I'm annoyed every time I see it. I like that this this email represents that not everything works for everybody. I just like his I like his com uh, commitment to it. To, it's yep. how I feel about the glowing spider. Yep. Uh, oh, by the way, if you, if you don't like the glowing spider, uh, read Spectacular Spider-Man because Andy Kubert's doing something with Spider-Man's pants that I just don't know. I'm like, who approved this? Yeah. So. I don't know. Um, what do you think of the Justice League logo? I I, I don't I, I don't know if I don't know if it's as harsh as a teenager on a Commodore 64, but it's 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 not great, Bob. Um, Not great, Bob. Uh, most of the logos at DC, I have a hard time with. I don't think they're. I, I, they need a new designer. I think so. But what's odd is like the old ones. Great, great. The, J the JLA badge from Morrison. Yeah. That was great. Anyway, yeah, so. yeah. Right. The old ones are wonderful. Next email, Eric from Virginia. I've been thinking about th of this question since I heard on Pick of the Week 602, so less than a week, when Connor made a point that Star Wars comics could ruin Star Wars for him. Something I agree with. So the question is for Ron, could, could you reach a point when future X-Men movies ruin X-Men for you, which most of the movies do? Hey, listen, man, if those movies haven't ruined my enjoyment of the X-Men yet, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple of stinkers in there. Yeah, exactly. If I can survive X-Men The Last Stand, I can pretty much survive anything. So I'm not worried about this. <laughs> All right, last question. Finally, Brian says, if you had the power of Genesis and used it when telling someone to go screw, what exactly would they then do? Well, that's obvious. They would go screw. I think that. I think no. Wait, wait. Power I think, of Genesis from preachers. What he's talking about. Um, right. I think it, defining it, defining what go screw happens is ruins some of the magic. To be honest, that's that's. I I agree with you. Yeah, so I was like get to that. It's like electro. I think it. So it's going to depend largely on the hearer and possibly even the sayer. I don't know exactly how the technical aspect of Genesis works. It's it's like I uh, I recently saw uh, I'm a broken record with this stuff, but I recently saw a documentary about one of my favorite bands, and there's a very very awkward moment where the documentary and documentarians are asking the main songwriter and singer guitarist to explain songs, and they say <laughs> they say uh, do you want to talk about accident prone and, and and long pause and he goes no, and they said <laughs> do you want to talk about uh, kiss the bottle and he goes no I don't want to do that. And they said, do you want to talk about Chesterfield King? And he goes, no. <laughs> and basically he then explains that if I were to explain to you all that sort of stuff, that ruins some of the magic of it, and I don't want to ruin the magic. And, and I think that's a valid answer. And so go screw up to your own imagination. I, I like the fact that I don't even remember where that came from, and I don't know what it means. Yep. And that is its beauty. And we've already talked about it too much. So, Brian, go screw for making us do that. Yep. If you want to write in, you can go to contact at ifmbo.com. Send us an email there. We will uh, possibly use it for the show. Um, you know, make sure you let us know how long you've been thinking about it. If you've only been thinking about it since 602, that's not your fault because you didn't know about it before then. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, we have other shows. Um, we just released this past week our Booksplode um, on Cerebus Volume 3, which is part one of the Church and State um, storyline of Dave Sims' uh, epic Cerebus. Special guest star in the show, uh, noted Cerebus uh, expert and fan Alex Robinson who is an Eisner-winning cartoonist and host of the Star Wars Minute and Godfather Minute podcast. Really enjoyed that show. Um, and I guess it, I'll spoil it for you. We uh, really like the book, and it's really worth talking about, and it's interesting, and you should go check it out and listen to the show. I, I agreed. It was a fun one. It was a long one, yep. but it was fun. Yep. Um, and then, of course, uh, we've got other podcasts uh, in our feed as well as podcasts that are coming up. Uh, you want to go back, check out that Booksplode. Um, the Animation Brain Trust talked about Batman and Harley Quinn. That's out there. We also talked about The Tick, which was uh, which was a by request of the listeners. Um, coming up, we got the next Kingsman movie. Um, Connor, uh, I don't know when he's seeing it. I might see it this weekend, so we'll get that out eventually. Um, and then we've got some other stuff. I know there's another Animation uh, Brain Trust uh, coming up. And then, of course, we've got the fall TV season, and uh, we'll probably be looking at The Gifted and Star Trek and some other fun stuff. So we got a, a lot of fun extra podcasts coming your way, so definitely stay tuned to that. Stay subscribed to the feed. Tell your friends to subscribe to the feed. Um, and you can do that by going to ifanboy.com where you can find all the other podcasts, including the aforementioned link to subscribe to the feed. 
Um, so if you know, <laughs> listen, listen, even if you don't, if you know anyone or if you're in an Apple store, just go subscribe to the feed. That's all we're saying. <laughs> subscribe to every feed. Yeah, exactly. The feed. Uh, the feed. Uh, and, of course, follow us at Facebook.com slash iFanboy and Twitter at iFanboy. Um, and that's how you can find out what the pick is before the show comes out. And you can follow us individually at uh, Josh's at J.A. Flanagan. And I'm at Ron XO on both Twitter and Instagram. And Connor's at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. If you like this show, uh, first of all, the feed. The feed. Get on that feed. Yep. It's all about the feed, but also you could write a review on iTunes. You could tell folks about it. Um, share links on social media, social media, things like that. Um, if comic books make you feel good, and this uh, makes you feel good talking about those comic books that make you feel good. Then uh, tell folks about it. That's uh, really helpful to us. And uh, I, I, you know, you never know about a really good comic or a really good podcast can be around the corner. And somebody might not even know about us. So yep. if you help do that, we really appreciate that. And that is going to do it for this show. Uh, it's too bad about Connor. Yep. Hopefully, I'm, say we'll, I'm not gonna say we'll miss him. But he did do some things that I don't want to do. <laughs> he, there's some some tasks. All so, right. So until yeah. next time, I'm Ron. And I'm Josh. Go hold some babies. And subscribe to that feed. Feed. Yeah.